Welcome to Nakubo in Brief, a podcast series from the National Association of College and University Business Officers. I'm President and CEO Susan Wheeler Johnston, and I'd like to thank you for tuning in today. Our mission with this podcast is to help our listeners better understand the challenges that face the business of higher education. Our hope is that you walk away with a stronger sense of the trends, policies, legislative and regulatory issues that may impact campuses today and in the future. You can find resources for today's episode, as well as a wide variety of educational tools at nakubo.org. Thank you for joining us today. I hope you enjoy the podcast. In today's episode of Tuk- Nukubur and Brief, we're excited to present the second in a four-part series discussing one of higher education's biggest challenges, financial modeling and the value of forecasting in the face of uncertainty. I'm Sue Mendito, Senior Director of Accounting Policy here at Nukubo. And in the second episode, we're joined again by Larry Goldstein, President of Campus Strategies and author of the third, fourth, and recently released fifth edition of college and university budgeting. And we also have Brett Mateo, who is the managing director of the PFM Group and president of Scenario Software. Welcome, gentlemen. So in the first episode, we talked a bit about the value of forecasting. Today, we're going to dive a little bit deeper, and we're going to start with perhaps the difference between a forecast and a budget. And to help us kind of set the stage for discussing that difference, uh, I'd like uh, Larry to chime in and maybe talk about the budget and, and, and how you think it relates to the forecast. Larry? Thank you, Sue. And, and I'd like to do that. I'd like to start with the idea of budgeting. And I'm going to try to create a, uh, an image in your minds of a budget approach at one end, which is very much driven by what you've done in the past, and continue along to the opposite end of that spectrum or continuum. And and I'm going to talk in a minute about what I perceive and feel are the more sophisticated institutions that are less about what we've done in the past and more about what we should be doing in the future. So if I talk about the, the current state at many institutions, and I would say the less sophisticated institutions, their approach to budgeting is to look at what they did in the current fiscal year and look at, uh, well, what should what should we add in terms of resources to cover fixed costs that we can't avoid? Uh, maybe, and, and this isn't doesn't happen nearly as much as it should, what should we stop doing to free up resources that we can put toward greater use? And what are the, the this wide range of variables that we have to take into consideration, whether we're talking about the salary increase for faculty as a percentage, the salary increase for staff, how much do we need to do uh, to address uh, utility increases, some of these fixed cost increases that we simply can't avoid? What about other costs that we know we're going to incur? Uh, is there some specific activity that has to, for instance, if we're going through reaccreditation and the costs of doing that, is that does that consume a portion of the budget? And so we, we, we're just tackling it. What must we do? A lot less consideration of what we might do. And we look at the consumption of resources and what we anticipate increased revenues will be. And we take what's left over and say, well, this is what we have to do anything that wasn't done before, anything that might represent a strategic initiative, something that may be addressed in our strategic plan. Uh, It's a leftover approach. 
And at the opposite end, at the furthest end of that spectrum, you have institutions that are extremely intentional about looking at what they should be doing and also looking at what they should no longer be doing. And those are the institutions that say, I'm less concerned with what I've been spending in the past as a driver for the future. Certainly a good portion of the budget is going to continue from one fiscal period to the next. But what about the things that we should be doing that we haven't done previously? What are the plans? And what does that drive us to do? And what variables are affected by that? So if I want to do something with respect to a new academic initiative, a new academic program, do I need to consider the impact that's going to have on advising? Do I need to consider the impact that's going to have on library and its resources? Or or, or the whole range of things. But, but the idea is the budget is not the plan. The plan is developed, and then you resource the plan through budgeting. And again, you have these same types of variables. There are all kinds of budget assumptions. There are variables. How much do we want to uh, spend with respect to instruction in this division? How much do we want to spend with respect to instruction in that division? If we've got variable tuition pricing, how do we set the price for this particular academic division or program and how much for the... All those are variables. And we have to consider all of them. There are probably thousands of them that go into consideration. And so that's that's the spectrum of budgeting. Most institutions are somewhere in the middle, either closer to the what's left over, what can we try to do uh, without having planned much, to the other end of the spectrum where it's all about what our plans are and what are the implications of those plans. And and that's that's where the budget piece ends. But there's a whole nother uh, activity or set of activities that need to take place. And, and this is in the form of forecasting. So in the earlier podcast, we talked about this idea of broad-based participation, lots of involvement. But when it comes to doing the forecasting, there are only a handful of people at the institution who are pushing buttons and, and, and making these decisions and analyzing things. And so it's a question of how do we move from the budget, which in a really good organization is going to focus on two operating cycles, the next two fiscal years, to forecasting the future. And, and to have a dialogue about forecasting the future, I'd like to invite Brett to weigh in and talk about the transition from the budget to the forecast. Larry has a lot of good ideas around uh, how you might want to do your budgeting and maybe rather than simply uh, uh, start where you were and, and kind of uh, append extra dollars to this line item or that, he, he thinks it should be more thoughtful and kind of derivative of, of the plan. And I agree with that. Uh, but however it's done, uh, whether well or poorly, generally, uh, I would start by saying the budget is an incredibly deep dive. Uh, it's naturally... Um, a, a very detailed line-by-line accounting, often by uh, school or by department, of how many students we think are going to show up and what's the price point there and what's the discount or waiver rate, uh, et cetera, et cetera. It's um, how, how many reams of paper will this dean or that buy for their respective department. It, it is necessarily that. You're trying to figure out um, – whether or not you can afford the groceries next year and align with all that with that value set that we discussed in the last podcast. But when you move on to the, the forecast, I, I would say one of the key aspects of it is to understand that it is not that detail, detail-oriented distributed process that is the budget. It is a higher order analysis. It is about identifying the key variables, whether there are five of them or 25 of them or 125 of them, the key variables that will give you some view 
of your financial future to create that wireframe we talked about as to whether or not the budget is sustainable into the future and whether or not that value set and those goals are attainable in the future and how are we going to make the tough decisions around scarce resources. So the forecast is necessarily a high order view. And you're going to develop uh, some number of variables that you're going to want to test. And some of them are obvious. I mean, you're going to want to be able to drive enrollment, whether that is for the institution as a whole or maybe it's by college or maybe it's by department. Maybe it's on a cohort basis or maybe it's uh, it's just done on a kind of a gross FTE basis. Maybe you're going to account for your differential tuition this way or that. You'll have to noodle through all that. But what you can't be tracking uh, at a forecasting level, which you might want to track at the budget level, is whether or not Mary's going to change majors in year five uh, or whether or not Mrs. Smith is going to take the dental plan in year four. Um, it, it is necessarily more abstracted because you're just trying to rough out um, the bounds of your decisions, identify the opportunities, identify the risks, and identify the, the pinch points where um, attaining your goals becomes problematic. And then, you, of course, you're going to want to figure out how to achieve them anyway with limited resources. Um, so, so the forecast is about identifying the key variables in the key line items, enrollment and pricing and discount and aid and gifts and maybe sponsored research for a big public and salary and benefits and that 2,000 lines of non-personnel expense. Uh, maybe we can we can aggregate those into five or, or 50 lines of non-personnel expense and create this perspective view of your future. And all of that is, is, is part A. Part B is to then identify the initiatives and projects that will, are, are necessary to achieve the vision. So for example, there might be a capital plan where you're, um, you're, you're working on your maintenance backlog, but you're also building a, a new academic building and, and, and refurbishing the library and maybe building a new dorm. That capital plan will have two or three or five different projects on it. Each could be gated and started at a different point in time. Each will have different funding alternatives. Each might even have different cost structures. Um, how will they fold on top of that organic projection, that, that projection of all those organic variables. Um, and then what, what about the, the list of initiatives? Uh, we're going to change this program. We're going to get rid of that program. We're going to uh, deal with our tenured faculty this way or that way. How do those initiatives fold on top of your organic projection? And all this is ultimately recognized that it's a calculation. It's not a series of variables or values as it is in the budget process. In the budget process, while there's different possible variables of values, it is ultimately a value. It's not a calculated formula. In the forecasting world, everything is calculated, but for the variables. The variables are linked to one another with some logic, formulaic logic, to make some sort of mimicking of your, your business into the future. And that calculation is not the same thing as typing down, I need $200 for five reams of paper in the law school. And so the understanding that when you move from budgeting, a value-driven, distributed, detail-oriented process into the forecast, which is a calculated, variable-driven, formulaic process at a much higher level, when you recognize that they are they are not the same, now you're on your way to being able to craft a view of your future that doesn't fold a bunch of false precision into it, and it's it's uh, it's not an unreasonable um, 
uh, administrative burden to try to look that far forward. Of course, you need to dovetail the two, and maybe in the later podcast we'll talk about how you dovetail the detailed budget with the uh, the higher order forecast. They're they're integrated, but they're different. But both are necessary, I guess, is the ultimate uh, point. I can understand why colleges and universities perhaps can get stuck. You know, we have our plan. We talk about, and Larry has done a great job of explaining, you have the plan, you need the plan, and the plan is resourced through the budget. You've explained the budget is quite detailed, okay? But the forecast, rather, is a high-order view. Uh, you know, we're looking at key variables. We have to think about how they connect to each other, and we have this kind of high-order formulaic process. So, so a question I have for you is, Brett, is how do you determine the key variables? And do we need to have the budget as a stepping stone in order to determine the key variables? Or are they the same based on certain characteristics of institutions? Those are great questions. Um, how do you determine the variables? It, it, it kind of depends on the the institution. Um, almost all the institutions we've dealt with that I've dealt with in my career, um, enrollment is is uh, is on the list. Uh, except sometimes it's not. Sometimes it's a huge endowment driven organization that, uh, frankly, the the student revenue derived is uh, is is a pittance compared. Uh, to the endowment revenue. So the, the answer to your question is it's, it's a, a pure, and, and I use this term exactingly, sensitivity analysis. The variables are derived by the impact that they have going forward. Um, for, for a small enrollment driven place, obviously, um, that marginal five students matters immensely. And clearly, the amount of enrollment in a given program or in a given school needs to be modeled into the future as an independent variable. Pricing, in that case, no doubt matters. And discount for a private, no doubt matters. So so it's pretty clear um, for the vast majority of schools that enrollment and, and, and student revenues and the variables around that are going to be part and parcel of it. But in a different place, you know, the, the endowment returns and the draw rate and um, and those sort of factors are going to be um, just as important, or the impact of a of an advancement campaign might be just as important, uh, and maybe even more so than the enrollment. The point is the way you figure out which ones matter, and and frankly, this is not even a little bit hard. Most institutions just intuitively know this, but if there's a five or a ten or 150 change um, in enrollment, however counted. Does that move the needle on a series of key metrics? Does it move the needle in some measure of affordability? That's how you derive the key set of uh, variables that need to be tested into the future. It's a, it's a, it's a, it's as measured by their impact on the bottom line. However, you count the bottom line. It's, it's their impact on whatever metrics are your definition of affordability. And that's how you're going to set the, the variables. To your second question, and those variables that once identified and once tested, sensitivity tested to know whether or not they're important, once they're identified and the, um, the construct is created into the future to allow you to change them and see what happens, what if, um, they need to be rooted in the history, however. They need to be tied back to the budget. You can't just start with um, made-up assumptions 
around enrollment or pricing or aid. They have to be rooted in what is the history. And the budget process should derive what those numbers need to be in the current year, what is achievable, what is uh, desired. And the forecast needs to start with those and then play it out going forward. So kind of summarize this is you don't need to drive 60,000 line items into the future. It might be 50 or it might be 150, but each of those ought to be important. You shouldn't be wasting time trying to decide whether or not a a given non-personnel line item is going to move 3% or 4% if it's not going to really impact a decision in the future. So only the important ones matter. But once identified as important, they need to be tied back and hooked into the budget and understood in the context of what has come before and what is achievable now and what have we discussed in the budget. And from there, you go forward with testing the bounds of where they might end up as the environment changes around you. The two of you have helped set the stage nicely for our third podcast, where we'll be talking about uh, how to how to consider scenarios and how to how to build a scenario and we'll provide some examples i think we've you've both nicely laid the foundation with that said i'm going to say uh thank you for being with us this afternoon for our second podcast in this forecasting series and uh i look forward to all of you on the line perhaps participating in a third one with us thank you thank you